Welcome back to the Wolf of Queen Street podcast series. Welcome back to the audio podcast or the video series. Before we get started today, I just want to shout out to my sponsor. This episode is sponsored by Job Search QRD, the number one platform for online practice job interviews with real industry professionals. If you suffer from nerves or struggle to effectively communicate your value, articulate your skills, experience or achievements, then Job Search QRD is here to assist. This team is passionate about helping you to step onto the next um, ladder, next step of the ladder of your career, empowering future leaders to excel during the interview process so you can land the ideal job. And I think it is applicable in the time we are today to get the most skills you can about giving yourself that opportunity to find the next job. If this sounds like something that's important to you, you can find them on jobsearchqld.com. That is jobsearchqld.com. But today I'm joined by Steph Green, someone that I met through a mastermind program through in COVID a few months ago. And we reached out and said, hey, I'd be interested in coming on the show and having further discussions. And for me to find out that Steph is a USA Today best-selling author of supernatural romance books, something I would not know a lot about. Vampires and witches, you know, again, a niche and space that I'm not in, but I'm totally intrigued about the story being an author, the success behind it, and being able to become a full-time author as a career. And something else that totally caught me off, by, by off guard when I, after I'd heard Steph speak and everything that she'd gone through, Steph is legally blind. And this to me just said, hey, I want her on the show. I'd love to have her and have her discussions about the things she's learned and the insight she's going to provide us today. But Steph, welcome to the show. Hey, Lawrence. Thanks so much for having me. You know, like, like I said, it was it was so intriguing um, being on the Mastermind a couple of months ago and, you know, we, we're out there trying to improve ourselves and our businesses and so forth. And, you know, me finding out that you're an author, a successful author, and then finding out this cool supernatural niche, you know, a lot of things that people still think, don't realize is still going on is the actual industry of writing a book, thinking about a book, putting a book together that's not a self-help book. Because at the moment, everyone's sort of a self-help book or how to be empowered, how to be inspired. But there's actually still novels out there that people consume all the time. You know, and to start off in that career, I would like to find out from you is what is the, one of the, the most important or the biggest things that writers or potential writers can do to set them up for success in the beginning? Well, I guess, I mean, I mean, I guess the most important thing that you've got to do right from the beginning is that you have to be able to finish a book, you know, whether it is a nonfiction book or a fiction book, you have to be able to actually type the end and have the thing finished. And, you know, that's hard for a lot of people, like a lot of us, and I certainly did this when I started writing, I would spend like years and years, like just redoing the first three chapters. Like I have to make these first three chapters absolutely perfect. And the thing is, is that when you get to the end of a book, what you often find is that you actually have to go back and delete those first three, three chapters because, you know, you didn't start the story in the right place or everything's changed. And so you might spend like five years editing those chapters that you, that you just completely delete. And so that's the biggest thing is that you, you have to be able to push there and you have to be able to, to finish stuff. And that, that's kind of what, that's kind of what I do with the other side of my my um, business is that as well as you know writing my sexy vampire novels um, I also help you know help other writers to learn how to finish a book and I kind of have a system for 
you know, yeah, um, working on a plot and, and you know designing the characters and you know figuring it all out so that you, when you sit down, you always know this is what I'm going to be writing now, and this is how I'm going to power through and get the words done. And once I've got the words done, I can, you know, I can edit it and I can make it sound really nice. But yeah, you've got to be able to, you've got to be able to finish. That is, that's a great insight. I think you know anyone can take it relatable into life. We start a new ad- adventure, we start something new, we think of something and we want it to be perfect from the beginning. Or, you know, you get into it, I'm starting up a company, I'm starting up a brand, I'm starting up a podcast, for example. I speak to a lot of people about this and they go, I want to do, it. I want to do my first episode and I want it to be perfect. I want the video and the audio and everything else and, and so forth and so forth. And I say to them, just give it time, let it go and, you know, do the episodes or do the part of the business because as you go further down the path, like you said, as you get closer to the end of the book, you can totally relate that something in the beginning might not be applicable anymore. Your, your ending might not relate to your beginning and you would have to change it. And overspending time on perfection when you don't understand the whole goal or the whole journey, to, like you said, could waste years and years of rewriting and so forth. Exactly. And perfectionism is procrastination. So that, you know, something I always say. So you've just got to get in there and you've got to do it. It, it's funny you mentioned procrastination. It was actually a question I'm just about to ask you, and that's talking about, you know, how can I, how can I, I struggle with procrastination. My wife will tell you that a lot, but fundamentally, as an author or someone that's writing or someone that wants to produce content in that sense, how can I stop? What can I do to stop myself procrastinating about writing my book or writing the next chapter? So one of the biggest reasons that, you know, that us writers, we, we do this kind of procrastination thing is because we don't know, we, we sort of actually don't know what we're going to be writing down next. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we just, we, we sit on the computer and we stare at a blank page and we go, oh, well, I just, I don't know. And so it's really, and that feels really hard and not like a lot of fun. And so you think, well, I'm not going to write, do any writing today because I don't know what I want to do. So I'll just, you know, go watch the Netflix instead or whatever. <laughs> And the way, the best way to kind of get around that, uh, there's sort of two things. And one is to force yourself into a small amount of time when you have to write. You often actually do more in 20 minutes. Um, if you give yourself 20 minutes where you like set a timer and you turn off Facebook and you just sit down and you go, I'm going to write as much as I can, 20 minutes. And you'll find you'll get quite a lot done. Whereas if you had like five hours, and, but you're like sitting around and you're like fiddling with Facebook and you're like patting the cat or whatever, um, then you, you'll often find that you won't get as, nearly as much done as you think you would. And so kind of cramming your writing into these little, these little spaces where, you, where you're really focused, um, that's a really big thing. And, you know, that's how I write. As much as I write, I write 4,000 words a day, every single day. And I do that in 20-minute slots. And I write about 600 words every 20 minutes and then I take a five minute break and then I go back and do it again. And so that's one really great technique. And the other thing is to do some kind of planning. And a lot of authors, we, we all fall into one or two different camps and the camps are plotters who are people who like a really detailed outline before they start writing. Like they have to know what every single, what's going to happen to every single chapter to every single character. And then there are writers that we call pantsers because they write by the seat of their pants. And they're writers who don't like to know what's going to happen next because if you like plan the book, then you don't want to write the book because you don't know, you know, because you already know what's going to happen. So it's not like any fun anymore. And that's 
I like I kind of fall quite into that um into that that I kind of fall into that pantser category, mm-hmm. and so it's quite hard to think about how to plan a book when planning a book makes it not so much fun. Yep. Um, and so what I do is I, I do this thing that I call like I call that skeletoning, and so what I do is for like a seventy thousand word book is I will write a twenty thousand word draft of the book in like three days and it is rough as guts this draft it is just it's like dialogue it's like bits that say insert sex scene here it's like it's just (laughs) horrible it's ridiculous i would never let anyone see it but what it is is it's like getting down all the ideas in my head and all those little kind of scenes and those little interactions between the characters that you've like already got hanging around in your head and I get all of those down and I get all the chapters down and then I go back and start from the beginning and I go okay well now I can fill in now that I know I've got the shape of the book I can fill in all the little bits and 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 it's a really fun process of sort of not quite you you know when when I'm sitting down to write I don't have to go oh I don't know what's going to happen because I know what's going to happen because it's all in the draft already but I get to sit down and go okay well I can make this sound really pretty and Mm -hmm. you know I can write the sex scene that that I've left out and yeah and and so so those are the two techniques that I use really that's great I love how you use the example however if we had more time we actually do less Uh, it is definitely a psychology behind that. I just recently watched a video by a gentleman called Naz Daly. Spoken about him before, became famous from doing uh, one minute clips from every single day for, I think, I think he did 500 or a thousand of them throughout the world. And he's, and he's just started doing um, longer form content now, uh, not as, not every single day. And he just did the same test in his company. And he said, in the sense of, if I give them two weeks to complete a, a project, they will take two weeks plus one day. Um, if I give them the same two-week project and say to them, okay, you've got eight hours to complete it, somehow they'll complete it within eight hours. The same amount of people that would have taken two weeks plus one day normally because they were normally a bit late. And that whole thing, if you give everyone too much time, the, the focus and so forth is not there. And uh, it's just as you said, you short focus, get it out of the way, and that helps get, remove the procrastination out of the way as well. Uh, to me personally, I, when I do that to myself, it does work. When I go, okay, 30 minutes, here's the five things. Get that done before you can get up or get out. And you'll notice that it'll take me half the time I thought it would take me. And I go, great. Normally, that would take me the whole day to do it. And But we've got to get that mindset of keep that on ourselves, okay, the 30 minutes a day or the one hour a day to do those tasks. Like you said, you write a set amount of words every single day. Exactly. And it's like this quick win thing because, you know, a book is like 70,000 words or something like that. And that's quite a lot of words. And it feels like this big, like ridiculously difficult thing because who could ever imagine writing 70,000 words? But 70,000 words is just like 2,000 words a day for for a couple of months. Like, you know, it's not actually that that bad once you break it down mm-hmm. and if you can if you get those those quick wins in really quickly and you're like yeah I've, I've done 20 minutes and i've already got 500 words for the day you know it's just it, it just all goes so much so much faster and, and and it's fun and i always think things should be fun i totally agree with that so as so as we've gotten through you know we've we've f- finished the book we haven't procrastinated or we, we've focused a bit more so we've got a book in some form 
that you know that we're going to want to put out or distribute out in there is what are the options for a writer to get their books uh, or they get their books or the story behind the books to be heard by the end customer so this is where things get really interesting so basically you've got two options and the first option is what we call traditional publishing and this is where you take your finished manuscript and you send um you send off a, a kind of a pitch about this manuscript and you send it off to publishers um and you would do that to publishers all over the world and possibly to literary agents who would then get you in front of bigger publishers and they have to like your pitch so someone has to see your pitch in the giant pile of pitches they get every single day and they would have to go yeah it sounds interesting and then they would request you know 50 pages of, of the manuscript mm -hmm. and you'd send those and then a few months later if they like those 50 pages they may request the rest of it and then they might give you a publishing deal and that publishing deal might have an advance of you know maybe $20,000 or something like that and then they would do a print run of maybe 10,000 books and they would send those books out to um, Send those books out to the books bookshops bookshops and, and off to Amazon and things like that And then you would launch the book probably two years later <laughs> and you would get around 10% royalties from every single book and you wouldn't get paid a cent of those royalties until your 10% of the royalties so, so it's about like a dollar a book kind of yeah. thing until those royalties paid back the advance that the publisher gave you and very often books don't sell out that advance so that mm. initial 20 grand that you got for that book might be the only money you ever see from it and so that's traditional publishing and it's 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 really awesome. It's got lots of benefits. You, you know, the the publisher takes care of everything. They take care of the cover. They do the editing. They talk to the bookshops. They do all of that jazz for you. So that's really awesome. Um, and then the other option is what I do, and this is self-publishing. And so this is where you finish your book, and then you um, you sign up for um, Amazon Kindle Direct Publishing and the other publishing platforms like. Apple and Kobo, and you get your book out there, usually in the form of an ebook. Mm -hmm. And you can do print on demand paperbacks as well, um, which is where someone buys the paperback from, say, Amazon, and then as soon as they buy it, Amazon will print a copy of the paperback, just the one, and send it out to that customer. And so you don't have to buy like 5,000 books and like store them in your attic. Mm -hmm. um, and the benefits of self-publishing are that you are in complete control over everything. So you are the one who has to go out and find a cover designer, but you get to choose what your cover is. You get to be in control over the editing of your book. You get to be in control of when your book is published. So like usually a traditional publisher, they won't, they will only publish one book from you a year. Mm -hmm. um, whereas with self-publishing, you publish as many books as you like. So I publish about 10 books a year. Um, <laughs> and there's, um, so, you, so you get control, you get much better information. Um, traditional publisher, they will send you a royalty form every six months. You won't know from day to day how many books you've sold. You'll only sort of get an idea every six months or so. Self-publishing, um, they will give you, sorry, self-publishing. Uh, you can log into Amazon at any time and you get a real-time dashboard that tells you exactly how many books you've sold today. Mm -hmm. And so it means if you run an ad, you can see immediately how well that ad's doing. 
Um, yeah, so, and the other big thing about self-publishing is that you get to keep around 70% of the royalties. And so because of that, you earn a lot more money per book than you do traditionally publishing, yeah. even if your books are priced lower. And it means effectively that a book that would have been a complete failure if it was traditionally published will be successful as a self-published book because you don't have to sell 50,000 copies to make it a success. You yep. might only have to sell 5,000 copies. So, yeah. So that's the options. <laughs> I'm guessing that, you know, you're talking about to be a success. I'm guessing it all depends on an author's opinion of what his success is. I'm guessing for yourself, that is, you know, Steph, that you've written so many books, you've got a criteria that you'd like to meet each time you sell a book. And a first-time author might go, hey, I would love to sell just 500 books. I'd love to sell a thousand books, right? You know, just to, and then each time they do it, they go more and more. And I'm guessing, I'm guessing there's no author unless you're one of the best that each book that you release is always better than the last from the, the book sales. I guess it's not, just doesn't naturally work like that because some of them work and some of them don't, I guess. Yes. And, and it's a funny thing that I am still learning a lot about. Um, you know, my career up until last year has been sort of a, you know, reverse ski jump. Like it's yep. been a pretty steady upward trend. Every book's done a little bit better than the last book. And then last year, my 34th book hit the big time, like mm -hmm. the real big time. I was number 20 in the entire Amazon store. Wow. Um, and that was pretty incredible. <laughs> That's amazing. And then, yeah, it was amazing. And so that was the first book in a series. And I published the, the, the second, third, and fourth book in that series, mm -hmm. like a couple of months apart. And it was amazing. And then I sort of thought, well, you know, things are just going to keep, keep going really well. And then what happened was that series finished. Yep. And all the readers that read that series moved on to other things. And I released a new series. And I thought they'd all kind of come over come and, and <laughs> read, yeah, read my new series. And they didn't. And, <laughs> and I was like, where have you all gone? Don't you love me anymore? Uh, you know, you got people's attention. While you have them, they'll give you everything. And then you give them that short break. And then they get to another attention. They're like, I'm over here now. Sorry, I'm not coming back. I've, you know, and that's, it is, a, it is a challenge of how to try and keep that going and longer and longer. And, um, you know, this leads me into my next question. I was going to go to how do, you know, thinking about how do readers choose buy, read books um, that are produced? And, and as an author, why is it important as well to understand this relationship that the readers have with the books that they buy physically or, you know, online? So, yeah, this, this is really interesting because it, it, it kind of relates a lot to, you know, why I had this big hit and then why I couldn't keep the readers after the big hit. And the thing about readers, they're, they're really fascinating, um, is that um, readers are series loyal first. So if you start, if you're a reader and you start reading a series of books and you love it, you're going to read all the books in that series. You know, it's why Harry Potter was so popular. Yep. And then, and then after readers are series loyal, they're genre loyal. So authors like me, we often read quite widely. Like, you know, I read all sorts of different crazy things. Um, but readers, people who are like really, really readers, they tend to like, like one genre really exclusively. So, you know, if you are a mystery reader, you will read all of the mysteries, anything with a mystery in it, anything with a murder, you're going to be, be on it. Um, and, and my readers are romance readers and they are super voracious and they read something like, a lot of them will read something like one or two books every single day. 
but they will basically exclusively only read um, only read romance books, but mm -hmm. one or two a day, which is incredible. So, and when you, you produce read, more, you got to produce exactly. more. <laughs> so, so it's really good to it's really good to always be you know always be writing, always be producing new books, so you can you can stay in their heads. Mm -hmm. And what it also means is that readers that read that much, they you know often they forget about you as an author. Yep. That comes about. That comes to the third thing, which is right after they are series loyal and they are genre loyal, way, way, way sort of down the list, they're author loyal. Mm -hmm. So it, it's kind of why, like for example, readers might say, "Oh, J.K. Rowling is my favourite author of all time," and they will have read the Harry Potter books probably a million times, but they may have never read any of the other books that J.K. Rowling ever wrote, but they'd still say she was their favourite author, and that's because. Yeah, read, readers aren't as author loyal as they like to think they are. And so so that's a really interesting thing about readers. And, you know, if you're an author, it's really important to think about who are my readers? You know, what genre am I writing? And it's really important to know that because your genre is how you market your books. It's where you fit on the, the, the bookshelf or the virtual bookshelf. You know, who's the demographic of your audience? And it might be not who you think it is. Like, for example, one of the biggest fiction genres in the world are thrillers, thrillers and mysteries. And what most people don't realize is that those are, majority of them are read by women. Mm -hmm. And it feels like a very masculine genre, and a lot of the big authors are men. But actually, it's, it's majority read by women. Um, and so, so it's really interesting that you've got to kind of know these things. Um, Men tend to read more nonfiction. Women tend to read more fiction. But then there are fiction genres which are, you know, male centric. So you know, there's a gender thing. Um, there is, um, you know, certain readers like to read in certain uh, different ways. You know, a lot of people who read nonfiction really like it in in a paperback form, or you know, or a hardback form, so they can like make notes in the book and you know, bring it out later. Um, but you know the the whale readers the ones that i have that read these one or two books a day they just want the cheapest way they can possibly get their hands on books <laughs> because they read so many and so they love kindle unlimited which is amazon's spotify for books program they like pay 10 bucks a month and they get all the books they could possibly want um and yeah and so thinking about these things is super important because that's how as an author that's how you're going to reach your readers you know, uh, I love that. I, you're explaining the three key things that authors got to think about when producing a book, um, talking about the series, the genre, and then fundamentally the author itself in that sense. And again, it's like you said, it's we got to think no matter what we're doing, whether anyone that's listening or watching at the moment, we're running a business, brand, and so forth. It's something big I always talk about. You've got to understand your customer. You've got to understand what they want from you, you know, and what they're there specifically for. Um, if if they if they fell, found you by mistake, hopefully you can keep them. But but most of your customers are there for a reason, and if you pivot from what they're expecting, especially if you've had a long success like yourself, Steph, if you went from you know your Roman snobbers and you started doing thr uh, thrillers, you know you're gonna you're gonna have like one leftover customer that found you by mistake, and everyone else doesn't go out the window. And we see that all the time in businesses. We see that in brands. We see that in people starting up um, a new adventure and. They've had such a big following behind them, what they're doing, and they go so left to right field. And they go, why did no one support me? 
Why did no one support my new brand that I stood up? You know, I've been, um, I've been producing shoes my whole life and everything else. And now I'm going to start up and run corporate companies. And everyone's like, well, first, it's not relatable. You know, it's, how do you, how do I come across and things like that? And I'm sure you've, I'm sure you've seen it as well with authors trying to just go, okay, my, my, my 10 thriller books didn't work. So now I'm going to go to comedy, for example. It's so, so, so common. It's one of the biggest mistakes that authors, you know, especially authors who are sort of newer to self-publishing, it's one of the biggest mistakes that you make. And it, and it comes from this, you know, we're all, we're all artists, we're all super creative. And we all, you know, often we all read quite widely. So we kind of have this like really broad kind of creative um, over, I guess you could say, to, to draw from. And, you know, we go, oh, I've written, the, you know, I've written the romance, but now I want to write a mystery. And, you know, that's not, and then you throw them all up under one pen name. And you just think, well, I've published like 10 books this year. So why aren't I successful? And it's yeah. because you published 10 books in 10 different genres. And, you know, this, this thing I often talk about when you think about branding. Mm-hmm. Brand, you know, what is the brand that you have as an author? And the most important thing about that, it's actually not about you at yep. all. It's about the reader. It's about you are making a promise to the reader who has come to you because they want a really specific experience from their books. You know, if they're a mystery reader, they really want a puzzle to solve and some dead bodies. <laughs> and, you know, if you then write a mystery, but you don't reveal the puzzle at the end, then you've completely broken the promise that you made to them. And, and you know, when you break a promise to someone, they don't trust you anymore. And so that's the thing. If, if they don't trust you, they're not going to come back. And so it's exactly that. I would never, ever, ever write a non-romance book under my romance pen name because yeah. it breaks the promise. Yeah, I totally agree with that. And, you know, getting into one more thing I wanted to find out, you spoken about at the moment, like you said, you produced, I think you said 10 books uh, over a year or so forth, and people are either producing one book, 10 books, you know, a book a month or, or so much more, is how can a person going down this path go from writing and publishing a book to becoming a full-time author as a career, taking that sort of how I'm enjoying doing it as a you know, hobby job or hobby brand and actually becoming a full-time author as a career? It is so. There's a thing I always say to to people who are thinking about this, and and the first thing you've got to think about is that there are a million easier ways to earn a living than being a writer. <laughs> and so, you know, if if you are truly just in this for the money, then this is not the career for you. Not because you can't earn decent money, because you can, but because if you are purely looking at this and thinking, well, you know, where is the money? you know, where am I going to get the most money from? Then that's, you know, there's much easier, you might as well be an investment banker. Like there's much easier ways to earn money. But so, so the first thing is that you've got to not be thinking about what I should write in terms of the money, but what I should write in terms of what, you know, what really creatively fulfills me. And then, you know, once you've, you know, what do I enjoy? Because you might as well enjoy it. Um, you know, what I really enjoy writing, what am I really passionate about writing, and then finding the sweet spot between what I love writing and what readers want to read. Mm-hmm. So you've got to find that that sweet spot. And then you've got to kind of realize that the thing about being an author is that it's not about one book that you write. It is a whole career, you know, a whole career's worth of books. And so you've always got to be thinking, I'm not just writing one book, I'm writing a whole bunch of books. Mm-hmm. 
and it's much easier to succeed as an author, especially a self-published author, if you write books in a series because you, you know, it's kind of like a marketing funnel. You yep. hook people with book one and then a certain amount of people will go to book two and a certain amount of people will go to book three and a certain amount of people will go right up to book 10. Yep. And you know, we've got, we've got specific, very specific numbers and we know exactly what we can expect. Um, from from that that read through on a series, and so you can you can give book one in a series away for free, mm-hmm. a whole book for free um, that took you a long time to write, yeah. and you will you can still make a lot of money if you can hook people on that series, and so thinking about writing a series is going to make your life so much easier, and yeah, and just thinking about you know thinking about the long term. Um, and you, you know, you just things just build, and you can just build and build this audience until eventually it just gets to a point where you know it covers your your expenses, mm-hmm. and you know you just never know when a book is going to completely take off. Like I said, I had a book that suddenly became a hit, and it was my thirty fourth book. So I wrote thirty three books that weren't really hits, but what happens is that every month, you, you know, a few people buy every single. book book that I've ever written and that heads up and adds up and adds up and then when you do have a hit suddenly a whole lot more people are buying all of those previous books and now I've got like over 40 books Mm -hmm. Um, and it is it is a very nice life Um, and you know like I said before um, I am you know if I was traditionally published a lot of my books would be failures because Mm -hmm. they don't sell you know, they don't sell tens of thousands. Well, yeah, I've had a couple that sell t- tens of thousands, but they don't sell hundreds of thousands of copies. Yeah. But, you know, they because I keep so many of my royalties and I'm in control of what I do, um, I, yeah, we, we get to have a, a really amazing, incredible career doing something really, you know, creatively fulfilling. It's so much fun. It's a great story to tell at parties. People ask you what you do and you say, well, I write sexy vampire books. Like it's, <laughs> yeah, it's great. No, um, Steph, I love that. I love that whole, you know, if you're getting into it for the money, you're getting in for the wrong reason. So I say, funny enough, I say that a lot of people into podcasting. I mean, I, I mentor and I coach people to get into podcasting or producing content as we're doing at the moment. I mean, they, they see the likes of Joe Rogan. They just signed up a $200 million contract with Spotify. And they go, oh, yeah, I'm going to make money. I'm like, we, we don't do this for the money. We don't do this uh, to get rich. We do this because we enjoy it and passionate and, you know, and so forth. And like you said, if you're getting into becoming a writer because you think you're going to make the millions off the bat, then you're chasing the, the wrong thing. Not saying you can't achieve it, but you're going in for the wrong reason. Yeah. And I think if, I think if you're writing, you know, or you're you know, producing podcasts or any kind of content and you're not passionate about it, mm-hmm. um, then I feel like that really comes through in, oh. you know, in the work that you do. And, you know, I think that's a big reason of why you, that, you know, that's why those people don't, don't make the big bucks. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, Steph, just before we end off the show today, um, uh, you know, I wanted to, as you said, you're producing, I want to know, is there something new coming up? What's the, what's the latest thing that you've got on your plate or the new book that you, that you could maybe talk about that's coming um, out to the customers? 
yes so i have just launched um so i've i've just launched a brand new website um, and a brand new uh, online course which is all about helping you self-publish so whether you are a non-fiction author and you're wanting to kind of build a business around books and maybe like courses and things like that or if you are a fiction author and you want to write your you know your murder mysteries or your sexy vampire books um, I've, I've built this whole course and it's basically it's like a 11 step formula you know this is how i do it this is how you can go from being a, a failed archaeologist which is what i was to a best-selling multi-six-figure author um and this is how to do it and so my so my website is um www.rageagainstthemanuscript.com and there's a whole bunch of free content there if you want to learn more about writing learn more about publishing i've got a podcast all about self-publishing and then you can join my uh, my course how to rock self-publishing and it's heaps of fun that's awesome i love the rage rage against the manuscript um any uh, um some metal fans out there would uh would enjoy that um tongue-in-cheek name on that but it's yes. awesome Steph um, with the new website like I said it's, it's, it's amazing um, the, the quality of your books and everything you're producing out there and to anyone that's listening or watch at the moment if it's something you're considering you know wanting to write a book uh, like you said uh, fiction or non-fiction Steph's done it Steph's done 40 to date uh, like you said you know the experience is there you'd be silly to try to jump into the deep end by yourself without a little bit of a floaty to keep you up there and you know and Steph, Steph's going to be that very large floaty to mean that you can jump into a very deep end by all means go, go, go on over to the website see what she has to offer and you know and, and reach out and say hey I need some help and by all means she'll, she'll help you out in that um, but at the end of the day as I always say out there you know, if there's something from the episode that you got away, you, you took from it, if something that you learned from the episode today, and you know someone else that could need the help in the time we are in the world, tell them to come on over. Tell them to come and listen, to come and watch, come and learn something new that could, they can possibly do with their lives at the moment as we all in the world trying to find out where we stand and where our normality is. But um, as I always say at the end, stay safe, stay beautiful. Until next time, thank you so much.